Chapter Seven of the Untempered Wind by Joanna Wood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. We rest, a dream has power to poison sleep. We rise, one wandering thought pollutes the day. Life, like a dome of many colored glass, stains the white radiance of eternity until death tramples it to fragments the silent workings of the dawn were past and the whole sky pearled to an exquisite soft grayness when myron holder set out that day to go to mrs dean's the road swam dizzily before her the snake fence zigzagged wildly the trees whirled round the very stones appeared as if rolling over and over in awkward gambols the wayside cows loomed gigantic to her uncertain vision her head throbbed heavily her knees trembled the physical reaction following supreme mental effort had set in and her nerves denied outward expression of the strain put upon them were racking her frame sorely she persevered however holding a wavering course from one side of the road to the other at last she reached the little graveyard of jamestown wedged in between the farms of mr white and mr deans its picket fence was garlanded with long trails of the native virgin bower clematis just putting forth its first leaf buds the hepaticas their blossoms past showed circular clumps of broad green leaves standing erect on downy stalks over the prostrate copper-colored ones of last year the bloodroot had lost all its white petals and its spear-pointed seed-pods and single broad green leaves stood in thick masses like miniature stands of arms spear and shield but the trilliums were nodding their triune-leaved blossoms the wild phlox swayed daintily its cluster of fragile azure blooms the meadow violets were clustered in dark blue masses the bracken ferns were uncoiling their fuzzy fronds the may apples mandrake were pointing through the mellow soil like so many small wax candles now and then a pungent odor came to her as she trod upon the fresh springing pennyroyal or bruised the stems of the mint that grew everywhere she was late already as she knew but was moved to go to see her father's sleeping-place she went slowly between the greys carefully avoiding treading on any of them her father had told her of the ill luck that follows the foot that treads upon a grave and the hand that casts away bread by what fearful sacrilege had this woman purchased her fate her eyes were clearing now and as she stood beside her father's grave she looked upon it steadily enough she felt a rapt sense of his presence he had been very good to her in his absent-minded way if he had lived the woman found herself grateful that he died before she rested her thoughts here to ask herself a question if her father had lived would she have lost herself she held her breath for an instant 
then turned and sped from his grave she felt that her gaze defiled it for throbbing in each artery tingling through every vein poisoning her heart she felt her whole being rise to affirm its shame to give the damning answer yes to that poignant self-interrogation she was certainly late that morning and mrs deans met her with flushed face and angry eyes well this is a nice time of day laziness is much worth when it's well guided it would seem to me myron holder as if you'd try to make some return for the favors i've shown you and what i've done for you and what i've put up with time and time again i've said to myself says i let her go what's the good of her what's the good of keeping a dog and doing your own barking but being sorry for you i never said nothing but now i tell you myron holder this thing's got to quit either you can come here in decent time or you can stay home then in a more insulting tone of voice she asked what time did ye start this morning i'll ask your grandmother pretty doings these loitering along the roads i'd have thought you'd had enough of that well don't look at me like that you're too good to be spoken to i suppose it's a pity you didn't do some blushing before now it's rather late in the day for such delicate feelings you what stopped in the graveyard i wouldn't wonder nothing more likely were you alone well twasn't your fault if you were i guess jed holder thinks himself lucky to be rid of the world and such doings as yours poor jed little did he know what shame he was leaving behind him how your grandmother stands it and how she abides that brat i can't see one thing i've always said don't bring me no such brats as them for i won't be concerned with no such doings but there what's the use of talking i never say nothing but i think a lot i guess your mother must have been a beauty from all i hear tell certainly you didn't get your bad blood off jed holder and you must have took it somewhere like mother like child well none of such worry for me then stepping aside suddenly and thus clearing the passage she had hitherto barred she went on what are you standing looking at ain't you going to scrub to-day or are you come visiting i'm sorry if you have here a fine sarcasm echoed in her tone because i can't go and set down and entertain you for i have my bread and butter to earn but don't mind me go right into the setting-room and make yourself at home myron having availed herself of the first opportunity to move from under mrs dean's insulting glances had already divested herself of her sunbonnet and was getting cloths and water for her scrubbing soon she escaped from mrs dean's eyes but the sound of her jibing tongue came harshly to her in every pause of her work the forenoon passed after dinner the hired man brought the newspaper in and gave it to mrs deans she looked at the price of butter and eggs and passed it to her husband he sat blinking by the half-open window upon the window-sill was a bottle of sarsaparilla a patchwork pincushion and two or three potatoes homer wilson had brought to the deans as samples he being agent for a seedsman mrs deans brought out a big canvas bag of carpet balls and placing two chairs back to back began winding the balls into huge skeins she was going to dye them 
mrs deans worked away with her hanks tying them carefully in separate strands so that they would die equally mr deans read his paper its sleeves rustling in his tremulous fingers the sound of myron holder's scrubbing came raspingly through the air the bound girl was out in the yard raking together dead leaves bits of old bones and emptied sarsaparilla bottles making it tidy for the summer well jane ejaculated henry deans in a tone of pleased surprise who do you think's dead who old mrs white is it her or mrs warner's sister up in ovid she was took terrible bad a week ago friday it's young emmons i know it but say isn't he owing for that last cord of wood i never seen anything like it the way people cheat it's something awful but i'll have that four dollars though out of mamie emmons if she can afford flannel at fifty cents a yard and ann white saw her pricing it she can afford to pay her debts well them emmonses always was shiftless but it ain't emmons though homer wilson says he looks most terrible bad it's follett you don't say said mrs deans you don't say when was he took it don't tell answered her husband screwing his eyes horribly as he read the obituary over again it don't tell oh yes it does caught a heavy cold a month ago and settled on his lungs well he's gone then not much loss his kind ain't said mrs deans contemptuously wonder if he forgot me before he went said her husband with a reflective enjoyment that was a pretty good one wasn't it jane yes no mistake about it henry you hit the nail on the head that time i declare it does beat all how time flies just think it's six years full since then six years full no seven assented mr deans no six said his wife it was just the year before your accident so twas a pause then he said i think i'll have some sarsaparilla jane mrs deans got a spoon from the table drawer drew out the gummy cork and gave him a spoonful better have a taste yourself he suggested don't know but i will she said and helped herself to a dram the cork was replaced silence fell upon the pair henry deans and his wife had partaken of the closest communion they knew mrs deans left her rags presently to go out to superintend the placing of some new chicken coops and mr deans dozed off into a pleasurable reverie evoked by the death of dan follett around the name of dan follett clustered the recollections of mr dean's happiest achievement for using dan follett as an unworthy instrument he had purged jamestown of malt and spirituous liquors and brought the village within the temperance fold it was thus dan follett had come to keep tavern in the old black horse inn this was a quaint brick building that stood at the corner of the front street nearest the lake it had but a narrow frontage on the front street but stretched back a long building on the side street from the corner of the inn hung a signboard depending from an iron rod 
the sign was a jet-black horse rampant with the legend black horse inn the front of the inn rising abruptly as it did from the sidewalk was more quaint than inviting but the side view was very hospitable for all along the side street a veranda floored with oak and roofed by the second story of the inn which overhung it extended approached by broad generous steps it was an old old building with queer nooks and corners in it quaint brass newel posts in the stairway odd sideboards built into the walls and dark hardwood floors it was by far the oldest building in jamestown and the huge untidy willow tree before the door had grown from a switch thrown down by one of the soldiers when he and his comrades departed after their long billet in jamestown jamestown was not called jamestown in those days but kingsville times had changed with the village and its name changed with them but the black horse inn remained unchanged only the bricks had reddened the mortar between them so that its walls were all one dark rich red many a summer's silent fingering had wrought a green lacework of ivy over the front and at the corners and about the chimneys of vivid green stain showed the minute mosses that were gathering there it was having indeed a green old age and if the second story was beginning to sag a little between the centre posts it conveyed no hint of decay or lack of safety the droop only showed a kindly and protective attitude towards the open-armed chairs that stood on the veranda beneath in the little garden behind the inn long neglected and overrun were bushes of acrid wormwood stray wisps of thyme straggling roots of rosemary and bushes of flowering currants in the spring from among its springing grasses came whiffs of perfume for the english violets planted long long ago had spread through and through the tangle of weeds unkempt grass and untrimmed bushes the one ambition that had lived in jed holder's saddened breast after he came to jamestown was to be able to rent the black horse inn but it was only a vague purposeless wish to possess the right of that little square garden amid whose desolation he discerned the traces of an english hand like so many of jed's dreams this one never materialized to this house then came dan follett displayed his license to sell wine beer malt and other spirituous liquors set out some hospitable armchairs erected a horse trough before the door and having assumed a huge and glistening white apron strode about a jolly good-natured guardian spirit his rubicund face was always beaming his little eyes always blinking away tears of laughter there was but little trade in jamestown but follett managed to make ends meet for the lake was noted for its fishing and parties of fishermen were right glad to find a place where they could leave their horses and refresh themselves but dan follett and dan follett's business were sore rocks of offence in the eyes of the jamestown brethren 
at after meeting many plans were discussed for the discomfiture of dan follett and incidentally the devil many a class meeting evolved an indignation caucus which dealt with the enormity of dan follett's calling which was cited with many epithets as the cause of every evil under the sun but of all this righteous indignation jolly dan follett took no heed and was as ready to lend his stout brown horse to mr deans or mr white when their own odd horse was busy as he was to hire it to the few fishermen who fancied a ride along the lake shore henry deans brooded long over this unholy thing in their midst and finally hit upon a plan to put the devil in the person of dan follett to some discomfiture mr deans was senior deacon in the methodist church and as such took it upon himself to provide the bread and wine for sacramental purposes one saturday the day before the spring communion mrs deans stood admiring her bread i reckon ann white'll open her eyes when she tastes that to-morrow she said there's nothing like making your own yeast good hop yeast i don't take no account with salt rising bread maybe sure enough but hops for me every time these audible meditations were interrupted by a tramp's voice at the open door a forlorn-looking object asking for something to eat mrs deans gave him some good advice about idleness drinking and begging and sent him off then she turned her face to the bread again separating the loaves carefully and wrapping two of them up in clean towels a verse flitted through her mind about taking the children's bread and giving it to the dogs it struck her as apposite but her good memory strangely enough failed to recall anything about a cup of cold water them tramps soliloquized mrs deans a likely thing i was going to break into the bread for the lord's table for the like of him she was just putting the bread into the tin on the pantry floor where she kept it when a sudden thought made her drop the bread and stand upright i declare she said henry'll never remember the wine i forgot to tell him when he went away what in the world will we do now borrow it of ann white i won't that's settled well if it don't beat all henry deans returned from the saturday market about three o'clock mrs deans met him in the yard and asked him before the horses stopped did you remember the wine a slow smile crept over henry deans face he pulled up his horses deliberately did you remember the wine asked his wife again yes i remembered it he answered still smiling slowly well said mrs deans why didn't you say so at first i've just been nearly out of my mind a worrying about it all day where is it hand it here and i'll take it in i haven't got it yet said her husband descending nimbly from his perch and then for it was dangerous to prolong a joke too far with his wife he went and whispered in her ear mrs deans face slowly became irradiate with a joyful and appreciative glow well henry she said you're no slouch i tell you i always knew your head was level 
guess that'll sicken him eh chuckled henry deans and began to unbuckle his harness straps for the rest of the afternoon henry deans and his wife went about in smiling content chuckling irrepressibly if they chanced to meet they had supper at six night was already setting in for the days were not at their longest yet about half-past seven henry deans got his hat and his wife letting him softly out of the front door took his way to the village he soon reached its outskirts down the unlighted back street he went across the short transverse one until the side door of the black horse inn was reached dan follett answered his knock in person there was a short colloquy between the two then dan went his way to the darkened bar-room and having declined an invitation to go inside henry deans waited presently dan returned with a bottle and after a generous demur accepted the money which mr deans insisted on paying saying i'm not a church-goer myself mr deans but i wouldn't begrudge giving a little now and again then after repeating his invitation bade mr deans a cheery good-night and closed the door henry deans went home hardly able to restrain his mirth from far down the road he saw a narrow slit of light showing the front door ajar for him he slipped inside to be immediately greeted by his wife did you get it she asked breathlessly i got it and him too said henry deans and they laughed together as they put the bread and wine for the lord's table in a basket the next day a sweet and sunshiny sunday the mystery of the lord's supper was yet again enacted in jamestown the symbolic wine clear and ruddy as heart's blood the bread white as an infant's brow next day henry deans drove to the market town on tuesday dan follett was served with a summons to appear before the court to show why he had broken the law by selling a bottle of wine to one henry deans in unlawful hours follett's rage was intense and could only be gauged by the height of henry deans satisfaction of course follett was fined he had no defence and offered none but was fain to relieve his mind by attempting to thrash deans which only resulted in his being laid under bonds to keep the peace the whole affair had completely sickened follett of jamestown he departed to new scenes and the black horse inn again was tenantless the exploit covered henry deans with glory and he bore the honor with the conscious front of one who feels he is not overestimated dan follett was dead now and henry deans slept the sleep of the just in musing over his memories and from the lonely garden of the black horse inn the english sweet violets sent up their fragrance to the unperceiving night End of chapter 7